The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Rev. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm Wayne Shepherd. We're here each week at this time. We have this opportunity in front of us today for the next 30 minutes or so. We always have our website available. Yes, sir. Our website is healthhopeandinspiration.com, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, great to see you and to be together with you this week. Let's talk about struggles during the cancer journey today. Well, if you're going to talk about cancer, cancer treatment, cancer diagnosis, we cannot have a conversation about that and not talk about the struggles that come with that. That's a big part of the experience, and we need to be aware of that. And let me say, I think this is going to be a positive message here today. You know, there are struggles, and nobody can question that, but we want to be a, a positive force here. Absolutely. There, at the end of the, the process of this conversation, we're going to understand, again, the realities of the struggles, but how we can uh, help offset those struggles and help people work through their struggles. Mm-hmm. That's, that's absolutely right. We're going to be joined today by Reverend Drew Angus, and uh, you'll have to introduce Drew to us. Well, Reverend Drew Angus is is uh, a spiritual outreach coordinator and leader at one of the regional sites at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And his focus basically is providing insight and information and awareness to his regional faith community around the role of really being a good community support to cancer patients. So it speaks again to the the overarching dynamic of being available, being in place, and being equipped to really respond to the needs of cancer patients and their caregivers. I know I look forward to learning from Reverend Angus here today. And I look forward to what uh, scripture verse you want to share with us to open up the program with. Well, our spiritual nugget for the day will help set the stage for exactly what we're talking about and, and being in place and being available. And it's found in Proverbs, the 17th chapter, and it's verse 17, and it reads as follows. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity, or we could substitute that word for struggles. And so Mm -hmm. I think it'll help us really work through the conversation today. All right, we're just getting started. You haven't missed a thing yet, so stay with us now for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. We're found online at healthhopeandinspiration.com. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America care that never quits. Back with you now on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. 
Our host, Percy McRae, will introduce our guest to us in just a moment. But as he does, remember, no case is typical. You should not expect to experience these same results. Well, with me today is Reverend Drew Angus, who is the Director of Spiritual Outreach at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Eastern Regional Medical Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is a privilege to have you with us today, my friend. Thank you. Great to be with you, Percy. Thanks. We are, as always, are are talking about health, hope, and inspiration. That's the name of our show. And what you do specifically is that you, you are into spiritual outreach. You perform spiritual outreach. But before we get into what you do, you have a background, though, as a nurse, despite the fact that you are in ministry. Talk about the marriage of those two and how did that happen? Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful marriage, actually. I started off uh, as a young man. I went to nursing school uh, back in the 80s. There was one other man in my class yeah. and, uh, you know, just loved it and began my career in ICU. Uh, learned a ton about medical care in ICU, but uh, ended up in home care and hospice. And that's that was my favorite nursing role because... I'm naturally nosy, so I get to experience a lot of people's <laughs> houses and how they live and their families and all the rest. But you get to do a lot of teaching and training and uh, really help people have more of an empowered way of life with their health system. And then hospice, of course, you're, it's a very dignified way to the end of life. So that so, was my beginning. So how, how did you transition out of nursing into ministry? How did that take place? Well, at the time, I went to a Presbyterian church, and the church was doing um, mission work in all kinds of countries. They started uh, an outreach in Dublin, Ireland, uh, kind of a half, kind of a drop-in center. At the time, the, the 80s in Ireland uh, was very depressed economically, so we set up this this drop-in center for people to come in, talk about faith issues, employment issues, okay. mental health issues. And I did that. I made a one-year commitment because I love nursing so much. Okay. I wanted to get back to that. But I fell in love with uh, the ministry call and ended up going to seminary and then becoming a minister as well. So you transition out of nursing mm-hmm. uh, into ministry. Yep. Uh, and then you start working with cancer patients at a cancer facility doing spiritual outreach as the director. What exactly is your outreach? Let's talk about uh, what you do and what do you focus on from an outreach perspective? Well, as you said, it's a great marriage for me personally, and I I think it's a great help to the hospital and to churches and cancer patients because, as you know, we really desire that people with cancer – experience great support. We don't want anybody to go through cancer alone Okay, is our bottom line. So, and we've seen people come into the hospital who have fabulous support and then other people who hardly have any. And there's a lot. I've seen that as well. A lot of people who experience that. That's right. And that breaks our heart, right? So we, we, we hate to see anybody isolated. Um, I read a statistic once that said people that develop more chronic illness and sometimes cancer becomes a chronic illness lose three-quarters of their closest friends afterwards. And, and again, as a disclaimer, we need to be clear. In, in some cases, that's the case. That's not necessarily that's true right. for everyone. Not, and thankfully not. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. But, but nevertheless, it's a school of thought that, that, that should give one pause into understanding. And I think the point that you're making is the need of providing good support and having good support for cancer patients w- working through a, a chronic illness. Absolutely. And so the people we work with, 
most of the people have been touched by cancer in some way in these churches that come here for training, and we go out to the churches and reinforce that with speaker series. We'll give talks about subjects related to cancer. Uh, they, they, they maybe have been touched by cancer. They already know a lot, but what we provide gives them the information and, in a lot of cases, the structure to do it better. Now, why, why is this important, Reverend, from your perspective? Again, you have a nursing background, so you, you understand the clinical dynamics yes. of, of health and wellness, and then now you're in the ministry. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have a focus from a, a spiritual care perspective. Why is spirituality important, and, and what, what potentially is its impact in helping people work through the mental, emotional, and physical dynamics of sickness and disease? Well, it's, a, it's such a huge subject. I, you know, a lot of the research talks about people just do so much better uh, when their belief system is honored and respected and when they can practice it. And so supporting that helps people have a much better quality of life. And, and when you say a lot of research, would, would you uh, be referencing, for example, um, people like Dr. Harold Koenig out yeah, of Duke University? exactly. I have three of his books on my shelf. Yeah, because yes. he, he's a world-renowned uh, mm-hmm. researcher, obviously, for those who are listening are not aware, around the impact and role of faith and spirituality and, and religious practices mm-hmm. uh, and health and wellness. So, again, we just want to help people understand where maybe some of those reference yeah. uh, studies are coming from. Mm-hmm. Your outreach, you know, you're in churches, you're with, you know, you're going out to faith groups in some cases across the country. I know that you've gone to some conferences and you've represented uh, schools of thought around spirituality and faith. Uh, what are some of the important things that you are sharing with your audience around the role of spirituality, faith, health, and wellness in cancer? Yeah, they, that's a great question. I, there are so many needs and areas that we discuss. I so mean, let's talk about the top two or three. Okay, top two would be forgiveness. Uh, how everybody that we talk to um, has stuff that they've built up. You know, sometimes it's people who've maybe uh, withdrawn from them because of their cancer, or maybe it's issues they have with themselves. If somebody with lung cancer, for example, smoked a lot, they may need some help working through even their feelings about themselves, finding Hmm. forgiveness there. Caregivers, that's another huge uh, issue where caregivers get burned out. I mean, let, let's face it, people who are undergoing cancer treatment, for some people, it's like having another full-time job. Oh, absolutely. Again, one of the things that, that we've discussed uh, and we continue to reinforce is the fact that cancer is not just an individual disease. It's a family disease. It's a community disease. And of course, caregivers, uh, in many cases, mentally, emotionally, and physically are struggling being a caregiver. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what are some of the things that you're, you're sharing or you're providing when you're, when you're reaching out uh, to this faith audience about caregivers? First of all, giving them permission to understand their own feelings. A lot of times caregivers struggle with guilt. They get tired and they feel like, oh, I shouldn't get tired. My poor partner is, is really suffering with all sure. this. And so just, just helping them understand their normalcy of their humanity, uh, helping them uh, find some ways to rebuild their own faith and their own relaxation. Uh, that's where our 
Journey of Hope training comes in. We we help provide tools so that there hopefully can be people that are raised up to give them a break even. Sure. So some of those areas are huge for cancer and, caregivers. And, and if I can go back for a second, it's, it, it may sound odd to some people, but, but empowering people to give them permission mm. to let themselves off the hook. Yep. Uh, to, 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 to take a deep breath, to just walk away and 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 recollect their thoughts, giving people permission. How yes. do how do we give people permission? I mean, how do you give a a grown adult permission to do something? How does that work, Reverend? Well, some of the gift is listening and and asking, just asking questions. It's and it's not rocket science. Sometimes it's sitting down with somebody and they know you care, okay. and that's a big step. And you might just say, "Hey, how's it going for you?" Yeah. Uh, once in a while, I ask somebody. Do you ever feel resentful? Hmm. And and they'll kind of look a little embarrassed yeah. or a little sheepish and then eventually go, well, actually, yeah, sometimes I am resentful. Okay. But then I feel bad about being resentful. Sure. So letting them talk about that gets it out on the table and they're not bottling it up. And, and they feel like somebody's uh, partnering with them. Yeah. They're not in it alone. Because there very well could be someone listening to this very broadcast who may be a caregiver, mm-hmm. who may be struggling through some things, but haven't felt that they have had the, the ability to share that or communicate that. Uh, is it safe to say that part of that dynamic is creating an environment of trust exactly. for people to be able to unpackage and, and, and articulate what's really going on inside yes. of them? Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, those attitudes of trust, I spoke with a – uh, a caregiver yesterday, actually, and his wife is under treatment, and he's also been treated. He's doing well. Um, so two people with cancer. Wow. And, you know, he spoke about how they are managing with her under treatment. Like I said, it's like having another job. Yeah. Plus she works. Plus they have kids. Plus they have aging parents. And they're trying to hold their they're, – they're doing well together, but yes. they have to really be conscious about that. Wow. Yeah, a lot of strains on them. In your outreach, what is the big aha or the big takeaway that you want the audience to understand of why it's important as a healthcare organization talking about cancer to outreach and reach out to people in the faith community? What's the goal of of the outreach? The goal is that people not go through cancer alone. Okay. Um, the, The aha for me is the number of pastors who tell me that there are people in their congregations who they haven't even known have had cancer till the very end. And so when there's a ministry or a support network, people are more likely to come forward and talk about their needs. So I think the isolation is the big aha and trying to uh, battle that. The church is really well, well equipped to do that, has the structure. So with that today, we have Reverend Drew Angus with us, who is the Director of Spiritual Outreach at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Thank you, Reverend, for your work. Thank you for your compassion. And thank you for reaching out to our faith communities to empower them to really address the dynamics of cancer and sickness and disease. Be blessed today. Pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. A very helpful conversation. We'll talk more about it as you stay tuned now for more of today's program, Health, Hope, and Inspiration, online at healthhopeandinspiration.com.
If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Care that never quits. Once again, please remember, no case is typical. You should not expect to experience these same results. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Percy, part of the conversation with Reverend Drew Angus today was about caregiving. I think we should talk more about that. Well, caregiving is an is a extremely important component to the cancer care conversation. As I've stated before and as it has been my personal experience, typically you don't have a successful uh, cancer journey by and large without having good caregiving and good care support from individuals around you. And again, I've stated it many times, cancer is just not an individual disease. It's a it's a community disease. It's a family disease. It impacts everyone around you. So uh, cancer patients really need and desire to have great uh, caregivers, but caregivers are also impacted by the cancer diagnosis and journey. So they're human, it, exactly. So it it has a lot of interesting dynamics associated with it. But caregiving is an important component of this discussion. And caregivers, I'm sure you've learned this. Their emotions can run the gamut, can't they? They can, and I've seen uh, many different examples of that that in some cases can be disturbing. Uh, In many cases, a lot of cancer caregivers simply were not and are not equipped and prepared to be a caregiver. So they're thrust into a role that they did not have a trial run or practice for, and depending on what their coping mechanism uh, their mental disposition, their emotional disposition. Their and their spirit. prior relationship That's exactly with, with cr- the person who's going through cancer. It, it, it can be a very daunting and, and uh, unbelievable and overwhelming task that in some cases some caregivers do not do as well as they should or could do in those circumstances. But even the best caretakers have these emotions, you know, ranging from guilt that I'm not doing enough to exhaustion uh, and everything in between. Right? That is true. So again, when, when when we talk about caregivers, first of all, we want individuals to understand that finding a cancer patient, you need to also find their caregiver and understand who they are, where they are, because they also need to be supported. Many caregivers and many cancer patients also are struggling with issues of forgiveness, as an example. So when we talk about, again, the gambit of emotions and the range of thoughts and, and elements of things that they're trying to come to terms with uh, and feeling guilty in some cases of I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I'd like to have a break, but I feel guilty about feeling that way. Uh, so they're struggling with this this the this push and pull of being there, but I don't feel like being there. I want to take a break. I want to uh, go take some time off. I need to decompress. So, you, you know, you have a lot of different elements of things that are going on inside uh, of their emotions. And Reverend Drew talked about one of the things 
that he speaks about when he's out on the road is forgiveness and caregiving and caregivers particularly. So he said being a caregiver is almost like having a full-time job. It is. Think about that for a second and what impact that may have. I know I can cite a couple of examples of I've seen spouses who simply walked away from their relationship because they simply were not prepared to handle. And it's, you know, I've seen husbands and wives do that. So again, uh, understanding uh, the, the, the weight of being a caregiver is not to be underestimated by any uh, means at all. Yeah. It can seem like a full-time job, but even more than that, I mean, you're not punching the clock here. You, you can't just punch out and leave and put it behind you for the day. And and that becomes the real struggle because they're trying to manage, again, their lives, the lives of the, the loved ones that they live with. In many cases, they're working, they're caring for their children, uh, day-to-day duties. So, again, you're talking about around-the-clock exhaustion in some cases, mental exasperation, uh, frustration. So there's so many different things. And then, of course, uh, feeling helpless in some cases, actually sitting there and watching things happen to their loved one, but not feeling like that there's anything that they can do to actually change the course of that. So they're struggling with their humanity in many cases. So what are some of the best practices of, of good caregiving? I mean, making sure you have time to yourself has got to be, you know, getting getting away, you know, to refresh yourself has got to be important. I think a couple of things that should be understood and considered. Number one, I think a, good, a caregiver needs to have someone that they can speak to, someone that they can share their thoughts and, if you will, download their emotions. Who cares for the caregiver? Exactly. They need to be given permission by others to express their humanity because, again, you cannot stay in that mode 24 hours a day, seven days a week and not detach so that you can decompress. So they need to find someone that they can trust, that they can speak with, that will help support them while they're supporting a loved one. They need to, I think, be able to find uh, some time where they can just be alone, that they can have some reflective moments where they can, um, as Paul would say, be circumspect. They need to kind of take take a step back and be able to look at what what's going on with them, around them, and be able to kind of just decompress a little bit and then get back into the fray of the action. I think the other important element is that caregivers need to take good care of themselves from a a nutritional perspective. I've seen caregivers who would not eat properly. In many cases, were not resting properly. Uh, I can recall a scenario where I found a caregiver who had actually passed out from exhaustion because they literally chained themselves to the bedside of that patient. And they literally, they had to be uh, recovered and we had to do something to help revitalize them because of just mental and physical exhaustion. So they need to take a break to uh, revitalize themselves in in whatever manner is healthy for them to do. So those are some things that I think that would be helpful to be considered. You know, one more thing that we learned from our guest today is he said his goal is to never leave the patient feeling alone. How important is that? Well, again, What happens with many cancer patients that has been expressed over the years is a sense of isolation. Uh, People, uh, for various different reasons, uh, stop calling, stop coming by, stop making contact. And in many cases, it's because they simply don't know what to do or what to say, so they just retreat. Cancer patients fundamentally and from now some research that we understand, again, Dr. Harold Koenig and others, world-renowned researchers, have helped us to understand that people with chronic disease tend to cope better when they are spiritually supported and when they have a community surrounding them. And while this research may not be scientifically conclusive, it makes sense when we understand how we're wired.
So it's beneficial to have contact and interaction. But again, we have to help people work through their own fears and phobias and a sense of not feeling equipped to be able to adequately respond appropriately. So again, working through the dynamic of not allowing people to be isolated and left alone becomes a crucial and critical point of helping support cancer. And that proverb you shared with us earlier today really guides us here, doesn't it? It does. Again, so as we close with our spiritual nugget for you to take home and digest is found in Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times. Notice who loves at all times, a friend. And there, and when we understand what a friend is, it, then it helps us with the next verse. It says, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Certainly cancer patients are struggling. They have adversity and they need a friend that will love them at all times. And they need a brother who will be with them during the times of adversity. So today, understand the value of being a supportive individual available for those who are battling and working through the effects of cancer. Let's live with that scriptural motto this week. Percy McRae of Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Brother, thank you. Be blessed. All right, we will, and we'll see you next week here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. In the meantime, look us up online at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America care that never quits.